I thought that was a track. That was uh, unbelievable. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> well, I just want to start. Uh, my name is uh, Doug Horner. I'm a pastor again out in Evansville, Indiana, that's southern Indiana. Um, by car, we're about 12 to 12 and a half hours, maybe 13. By bus, we're about 200 hours. So it's all good. Been doing it for a lot of years, and it's uh, it's just a beautiful thing. So first off, uh, our Garden City uh, Chapel family, I just I want to thank you. I want to thank you very much uh, for continuing the vision that uh, Pastor Norton had here. Uh, if you're a part of the Garden City family, would you raise your hand so I can I can see you? Yes. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Yes. Yes. And I never got to meet Pastor Norton, but I can tell you just by the Spirit of God that the heart of, of him, uh, Pastor Norton, is in uh, uh, Casey and uh, Mr. Ricky. I, I, their heart for the Lord and the ministry here, the mission, it's still alive. And uh, it's a gift. Uh, we've been here for a lot of years, and I was trying to calculate. Numbers mean nothing, uh, but they do tell us some things. And I, I think it's around 3,000 uh, kids plus adults that we've been able to bring down here over the years and uh, allow God to do uh, his transformation in a lot of lives. We've seen in this very room and that little chapel over there and the youth room over there and then upstairs in the uh, cafeteria we have seen a lot of lives transformed. Uh, so our kids uh, from Indiana, if this is your first time, raise your hand. I want them to see this. It's just unbelievable. God, a God wave that we've seen happen. So God bless you guys. Yes. So I am just honored beyond belief when uh, Ricky uh, called me and asked if I could uh, fill the pulpit for this morning. Uh, my, my immediate response was yes. And it just worked out because we actually came a day early uh, because of just uh, some circumstances. And God already had it already had it in hand. And so had a great drive down here yesterday. I promise you it was dry as a bone weather-wise in Indiana. We did not bring the rain. We didn't bring it. And we're praying it away right now. We're praying it away. So it's all in God's hands. So we're going to be in Isaiah 55. If you want to turn in your Bible or you're on your phone, and we will be in the first seven verses. It's actually the theme of our beach week, so you're getting to see see the beginning of what we'll be teaching on this week with the kids, uh, with other staff pastors. But Isaiah 55, and I've entitled the message this morning, Found, Found. I remember... Um, in 1999, we started coming in 1990, and there's always, I mean, the first time we came, we had like five vehicles, and one of them was a 1978 Suburban that we called the Banana Bourbon because it was yellow, and I got to drive it, and it had no air conditioning in it, uh, and I got the kid that wouldn't take a shower all week. He was in my car. Uh, my, my, my evangelist at the time that came to sing for the week and lead worship 
literally went and got him and took him down to the ocean in his sweats and made him get in the ocean to clean off because it was going to be a rough ride home if we didn't. So anyway, but I will say I would have given anything to find a gas station in 1999. And that's because uh, on, on our way down at night, it was night, we would leave around at that time, it was probably 8 o'clock in the evening, and we'd made our way to uh, the, our, dry, our bus drivers. They like to go through Lexington, uh, which I always thought was a longer way. I'm a stickler for, like, give me the shortest route. That's what I want. But we were going. It was God. It was Providence because we were going on our way to Louisville, um, and I was picking up one of my college kids that was uh, living there, and we were picking him up, up en route. And we blew on the church bus. We blew the rear right main airbag for the air system, and that's pretty much a kill shot when you're when you're in a bus. It's it's not going anywhere. It, it's lunging. And so I had to take uh, all the kids that were in, it was just 30-seater, but I had to put them all on the other two buses we had, and, and I sent them on ahead to here with four leaders, just with four leaders. I took everybody off except four leaders. I had a person with a heart. I had a person that would, you know, uh, was, would be disciplinary, really serious, and then I just had two cool people. All right, so that the kids still felt loved and they felt like they could relate. But the one guy I knew was going to take care of business if something went down. And so they got down here and we got stuck. Myself, my son, Pastor David, who's uh, filming, he's over here. He was going to he was on his way to being five. Um, my my youngest son had just been born three weeks earlier. And he and his wonderful mom were flying here. Uh, I kind of like that idea. But uh, we got stuck in, an, in a truck repair shop in, in Louisville, and it was a real hole in the wall. And my, my guy in, in Louisville that we were going to pick up brought his car to take some people back to Vincennes to get enough vehicles to where we could keep journeying on. So he left somewhere around 11 p.m., and at 8 a.m., I said, where are you? And he said, I, we, we ran out of gas. And it's in the middle of nowhere on 64 in, in Indiana. And, and, and I'll, I'll just say this. Uh, the, 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 the senior girl that had gone back to get her dad's big SUV, her dad had given her a AAA gold card, said, you may need this. I mean, God took care of it, all right? But they didn't get to Vincent's until 8 a.m. They said, we're walking into the church right now. And I started laughing. I said, seriously, where are you? No, we ran out of gas. So anyway, long story short, it took us, that group, myself, little David, and the rest, 31 hours to get here that year. And it was worth it. It's always worth it. It's worth everything to get down here. The sacrifices that people make financially, the time that people, you know, make, you know, with, with their, their coming, uh, these kids come in and, and I know it's a great, you know, it's a great thing, place to come to the beach. It is so worth allowing God to begin to touch your life because here's the bottom line. I'm going to give away the end of the story right now. God, he wants to find you. 
He wants to find you. Some of you have been found already. Praise the Lord. You've been found. That mission has been the mission of this, this um, you know, Garden City Chapel since its inception. To find, for God to find, for us to find God and for us to be found by God. Because that's what we were created for. There's no greater place to be in your life than to be found in, in God and, and completely saved. It changes your life. It changes the trajectory. Tra- 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 I can't even say it. It changes your life. And it, it takes you to places you never thought be. I'm a West Virginia boy. I grew up in West Virginia. And I, I, I'm in Indiana. I've been in Indiana most of my life now. And it's just the Lord that, that brought me. And it's because I was found in Him. And when I was found in Him... I found the love of my life, my wife. That's what happens. You, you find your people. You find your place in life. And you find the purpose that God has for you. And you just lay aside whatever it is you had planned. Just lay it aside because it doesn't even compare to what God has in store. So Isaiah, the prophet, saw this 700 years before Jesus ever came. He saw, he had this vision God placed on his heart. He had this vision in Isaiah 55, but in Isaiah 53, he tells us the story of the crucifixion of Christ. Sometimes just read through it. Many of you probably have, but read Isaiah 53. Let me just say, let me just read a couple verses. Uh, Verse 4, Isaiah 53 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. For our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. That's just a little glimpse of the crucifixion. 700 years before Christ would even come. We know of his resurrection in in that chapter in verse 12. But then uh, we see God's blessing and the result of his redemption. That his forgiveness. We're bought with a price because our sins separates from God, his price on the cross and resurrection from the grave gives us a a possibility for redemption by being found, by finding God, by receiving him. And we see that in in chapter 54. And then we see, you know, this idea of being found, a great invitation to be found in, in our life with God. And so the first thing I want us to see this morning is we're invited to be found by the Lord. We're invited to be found by the Lord. Verse, uh, verse 1, read, let me read this. It says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. So we, we have this idea of being rede- the redemption, this per- a purchase. We go out and buy things all the time. We buy new clothes. We buy new phones. We buy food. We buy, you know, uh, new outfits. All, all of the things that we could buy in this life, cars, there's, there's so many things that we give money, and that redeems. It's at a certain price, and that redeems. Well, our, the price for us, for our sin, is death. And that has to be paid. It either needs to be paid by our own self, or we can find God find Christ, and, and, and he can pay that for us. And we're going to look at that. 
But it's, 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 we've got to be found by the Lord. We've got to come. We've got to come. Those who are thirsty, have you ever really been thirsty before? I remember being super thirsty when I played baseball uh, in the junior leagues in Vienna, West Virginia. And my coach, who was my dad, it was the hottest day on the planet. And we had to wait. It, you know, all the coaches back in those days, they made you wait. You know, you had to get through the whole practice. You know, they'd probably be, you know, I don't know, sued or something right now. But, you know, now, now, because you got to give, you know, the kids water about every five seconds. You know, isn't that true? Is that true? Am I, are you with me here? Yes. And so back then, back then, it was water from a hose, a, a garden hose, not the white ones that are for water, garden hose. And it was scalding hot because it was long, and it had, a, it had all that water stored in it with the sun bearing down on it. And you'd go to drink it, and it was like, you know, tasted like hose. And, but you didn't care. You didn't care that it was boiling hot. You didn't care like it tasted like hose. As a matter of fact, I like to order my water hose flavored. That's, that's how much I, I love to get that water, drink of water. When you're thirsty, when you're thirsty, you will You'll want water. you want that refreshing water. And that's, that's what God offers us. He offered it to the woman at the well. Living water where she would never thirst again. We thirst for so much in this life. But, but our relationship with Jesus Christ will cleanse all that thirst. It will cleanse that thirst that we have for anything in this life. Because he'll satisfy. And there are two kinds of people that thirst in this passage. The, one, the first kind of person, as we're invited to be found by the Lord, is the thirsty and broke. The thirsty and broke. Those who are thirsty and have no money. And because of God, Isaiah is saying, you know, prophetically, that those who thirst, you know, they, they have no money. They have nothing. They can buy and eat. Why? Through redemption power, the power of Christ. And then it's the, there's the self-sufficient. And that's just as tough, really, as the, the broke and thirsty. You're thirsty in, self, in, in self-sufficiency because that means you, you work hard. You, I mean, that you, you, know, you have the potential. I mean, there's people in, in third world countries that work hard and, and they're broke. I mean, so I don't want to slack on the people who are broke because there are people that work hard just to get by for that day. But there are those in the world that are self-sufficient. We live in a, a country that is very self-sufficient. And in, as, even as poor as we may see, seem to be in our country, uh, we're nowhere as close to the, what the third world countries deal with every day. We're blessed. We're super blessed. We're self-sufficient, really. So those who have the money, he says this, verse 2, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy. You know, we, we obviously can't buy a relationship with God. That's the picture that he's painting here and, and buying bread. Uh, because here's the thing. The bread that we eat that we can buy daily to feed ourselves, really it will not fulfill us. You know, getting all the things that we think we need for this life. And that's the problem with the self-sufficient. They get to a place in their reality uh, where they're really, they've, they've labored strongly, they've made a great living, but ultimately they come up empty. They're frustrated. They, th- they have seemingly everything, but they're truly unsatisfied. Having it all will not satisfy us. And so the offer, you know, is to come. That's what 
That's what the, the scripture here is telling us, these first two verses. Come, just to come. Just step step into the invitation and receive it. And water fulfills the need we have to be refreshed. Milk is, is that restoring, on, restoring ongoing nourishment. And wine fulfills our need for true life. You know, it's, it's exhilarating. Um, it's, it's refreshing as well, but it, it brings us true life. And it's the picture of Christ. That's what it was because when they, they were drinking wine, because the water situations back in those days were just, were just horrid. So wine was a way to be refreshed with thirst because it was, it was cleaner. It was clean. But the reality is the picture that Isaiah is painting is, is salvation, true life. It's a new life. And when God, you know, invites us uh, in verse 3, says, incline, uh, incline your ear and come to me. That, that simply just means to listen. We've got to allow ourselves to, you know, to listen. Open up your ears. Open your eyes. Open your mind. Open your heart. Listen for the invitation that God has for each of you. Some of you have, have, have listened and received that. And he says, Come. Come to the waters and come to be found. Come to be found in Christ. God is our living water. God is our nourishing milk. That's our sustenance for life. You know, we learn in the New Testament, it's, it's, the, it's the word that, you know, fills us. And, you know, we're taught to fill our spirit, you know, feed the spirit through the word, through the beautiful worship today, through, you know, coming together under God's word. Uh, through, you know, uh, prayer, uh, abundant prayer life, we feed the spirit and we'll starve our flesh. That's, that's the big picture. That's such a simple thing. Hard to always do, you know, because when we're out on the highways and byways of life, some people frustrate us and we're not interested in feeding the spirit at the time. We're thinking about the flesh. But he says, come to me. Come to be found. And he says this, he will make an everlasting covenant. He will make an everlasting covenant. Let's read it again. Verse 3, incline um, your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. And I will make you, I'll make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. He, he's talking about, yeah, you know, is he talking about King David? There was a covenant, you know, he'd made that, that his throne would reign forever. But we, we know on this side of Isaiah, all these years, you know, several, you know, several thousand years to 2,700 years later, that that covenant would become coming through Christ, that he would sit on the throne. He was the son of David. And that covenant he makes with us, it's an everlasting covenant where our spirit, our soul may live. And that's, that's the picture to be separated. Sin separates us. You know, from God, from all of sin that comes short of the glory of God, and and the result of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when we receive Christ, if we just take that step, take that step in your life. I don't know how many of you guys have had a lot to do in your life, and you've been overwhelmed. You think you got 50 tasks. You're doing something. I remember when we launched uh, a church. Jennifer and I had launched a church in Evansville back in 2002, and it was overwhelming dealing with the government, dealing with trying to find space, dealing with 
people, you know, we, we didn't, there wasn't a building, there wasn't uh, uh, any money coming in, there wasn't, um, uh, a, you know, all the things you need, we think you need for the church. But it was just a few people gathered together. As a few people gathered together, and, and the steps, I, I would just look at it, it was as long as this aisle all the way to the door, it just seemed impossible. And I remember sitting, I remember one, one day I was in the, the Civic Building downtown. I, I, I had to have a variance. I had to go before the, the, the variance board in Evansville to get permission to get approved to use a building. Because you just can't, in Evansville, you just can't go into a building and say, all right, I'm, this is a church now. You can't do that. We were le- going to lease this building. And so I had to go to the city. And I remember, I remember... I had gone in there. It's like, oh, it's too late. You didn't get in in time, you know. And I was wanting to launch on an Easter Sunday in 2003, and I just went. I was just like, it was one of those you ever been like kicked in the teeth and you just don't know what to do. So I went and sat at the end of a hallway at a, on a and watched the elevators open and close for like an hour. I was just wiped out. You ever been there? Anybody? Am I the only one? Yes. And you just don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. You sit there and you feel sorry for yourself. You cry out to God and say, God, I'm your servant. I've done, I've done everything you told me to do here. You know, which is, that's wrong. I shouldn't have been that way. I mean, we all get to that place, right? But God was already in control. And I was sitting there and I just felt in my spirit I needed to go back and ask one more question. Take one more step. In my mind, I was thinking, I don't need to worry about the next 50, 100 steps. The Lord just put it on my heart as I was watching those elevators close it, you know, shut, uh, you know, for an hour. And, he, and I, 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 all of a sudden, this question came to my mind. And it was like, just take that step. Doug, take that step. And I went and took that step. I asked the question, and they said, oh, is that the case? Yes, we'll get you on the docket. You're in. That's like when you're supposed to like, yeah. No? God? No? All right. Okay. Yes. That's, that's all we got to do. Take the next step. And for some of you guys have stepped. You've come. Praise the Lord. Some of you, you just need to take the step to come. Come to this invitation. So then we move into the mission. The third thing this morning is God is on mission to be found. God created us for a relationship with him. God created us. Verses 4 and 5. Let's look at this. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. So, so we've got a, a witness. You know, that witness was many prophets. That witness was John the Baptist, uh, the disciples, the, you know, the apostles, obviously Jesus himself. That's the picture you know, that God made him, made him a witness to the peoples. God is making himself known. He is on mission to be found. He created us for a relationship. And then we get to this place. This is a very powerful moment in this passage where God speaks about the unknown people. Let's look at this. Behold, verse 5. You shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has, has glorified you. So that there's the picture here of the unknown nations. 
And we live in a time, we live in a time in the world where the unknown nations are being reached in ways that we never thought possible. I I was just uh, talking to somebody here about three weeks ago, and they were talking about their father who was in the mission field, and he'd gone into an area of life uh, uh, in the world, deep into the world, where he learned within a matter of six months an unknown language to the world. He, in a matter of six months, this, this man whose passion was to, to go out into the mission field, he learned their language and, and began to write the Bible, read, to translate the Bible into their language and bring this tribe Bring this tribe. We are seeing things like that go down in our world right now. It, we're living in those times where we're seeing the unreached. Those people always ask me, well, what about those tribes that have never heard of Jesus? God is beginning to reach into their lives. God is reaching into their lives. As a matter of fact, what this is again, Providence, today, this very day, May 28th, is the National Day of Prayer for the Unreached. Did you guys know that? At 1 o'clock, at 1 o'clock, wherever 1 o'clock for you is all over the world, today is a day to pray at 1 o'clock for the unreached. That's, that's today. That is, that's a beautiful thing. Again, providence, the unseen hand of God. But unknown nations are called. Unknown nations, these people who are in northern Europe, China, Africa, South uh, America. And here's what we, what we hear from this passage. All right. He says this. Um, let's go. That they, they will, these unknown people will come. They shall run to you. Verse 5. It says, there will be a nation that did not know you shall run to you. That's a powerful thing. That's a powerful reality. The unknown peoples come. Now, we got. We went to see Tim Hawkins, and, and uh, he's a Christian comedian. Anybody know Tim? Um, I mean, I don't know him personally. He's just super funny, godly, you know, Christian comedian. And we were there, and and the the person that introduced him, and you got to be my age, uh, you know, right within five or ten years of my age or older to know this guy. But Mark Stewart, who was the lead singer for Audio Adrenaline back in the '90s, walked out on the stage. To introduce Tim. Now, I don't know how much of the story about Mark that you, you know, but Mark, Mark Stewart, they would be, he would, he's, the, he's another Toby Mac kind of guy. You know, Toby Mac's the real deal. I've got, we got a, a, a guy that was here uh, with us uh, in the early days of New Beginnings that um, we invited to come and lead worship for two years, and, and he, is, he is on Toby Mac's, like, you know, um, label now, and he's, you know, his name's Michael Cochran, Cochran, Cochran and Company, and it's a beautiful thing to see what God is, that Toby's hardest is to raise up this next generation of, of hearts for the Lord to bring the message of the gospel to the world. Well, this was Mark Stewart. Mark Stewart and Audio Adrenaline were just, I, I love, if you go to festivals, it was, it was Audio Adrenaline, it was DC Talk. And it, and it was the newsboys, and they were just rocking it and bringing people to Christ. And then Mark had a disease attack his vocal cords, and it shut his vocals down. And so he just disappeared. Now, he's been behind the scenes 
you know, God's been using, but he went through a dark period and he lost everything in his life. But then he, he, he uh, you know, the, God began to, to, to restore his life. His, he, start, he came back to the Lord and he and his mom and dad, his mom and dad, they're, they're from Owensboro, Kentucky. They went to Haiti and they established a mission. And that was to go to the unknown peoples of the world. And he told us the story that night about a little 13-year-old girl who gave birth to a baby, a little baby girl. And this is, this is disturbing, what I'm about to tell you. That little girl who didn't want that pregnancy went to a public toilet, which was basically they dig this giant 18-foot hole by so around, and she threw that, that, she threw that newborn baby down into that, into that toilet, 18 feet down. And there was a little 10-year-old boy that was watching the whole thing go down. And he ran and got his dad, and that dad went, and they got about 20 people, and they crawled down into that hole. They crawled down. You know, you just think, there's no way. There's no way. But they brought that little girl up, and when they unwrapped her, when they unwrapped her, she started crying. And the reason why Mark told this story, and he had a video of them bringing this baby out. He said, the reason why I have this video is because God made me her daddy. He's the real deal. He has come. He's going to the world. He's going to the unknown people. We've got to, to, to come ourselves and then go to this world. Go to the world we're in right now. The people that God surrounds us with every day. And we got to support. You may not be able to go to every place. Maybe you'll go on mission trips. I, I don't know. But we can certainly support. We can certainly support the efforts of these people because this is, this is that time. This is that time. God's been doing it for years, but we're seeing it more so than ever. And here's what ha- where the prophet said. Unknown peoples come. They come. They come. A nation that you did not know shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, which is Jesus, for he has glorified you. So God's purpose is not nearly merely world mission to where we just go, but his mission is success to bring people to Christ. For you to be a, be a success, a, a successful find for the Lord, for the peoples of the world that, are, that have no idea. I'm going to jump. I'm sorry, but I, I just want you to see verse 11. I know we're not supposed to be there. Are you okay? Can we go just jump up to verse 11 for a minute? It says this, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. God knows. God knows each and every heart. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the things for which I said it. That's the power of God's word. It's alive. It's alive today. So God's missionary purpose, it's God's. We just get to join in. I, I thank God every day. I thank God. I get up in the morning. We, we're in Evansville, Indiana, and we're seeing God's wave in, in unbelievable ways with, with the lives of people in that area and what God's doing. It's God's, it's God's happening, and we're just riding the wave. We're just riding the wave. This, 
This is a wave. You guys are a, a complete wave of God. No pun intended right being in the ocean, okay? This is a, you guys, your mission is a wave of God. You're reaching kids who would not be reached otherwise because you are keeping that vision that God put on mission here alive. Praise the Lord. God's missionary purpose will succeed. And what's cool is Jesus will bring them to the missionary, to the, to the banquet, to the big banquet. Someday when this is all over, you know, we always talk about, you know, did you get any sleep on beach week? No. No, you don't. And, you know, I always just say to people, there's rest in heaven. Right now, right now, the purpose is real. The mission is real. Jesus will bring them to the banquet. We just got to join in. We just got to join in. That's what, that's what he says in verse 4. Behold, I made him a witness. We're, we just got to join in. So we as church are then sent to call. We're called. And that's who, who he's calling. You shall call a nation. Who is you? Well, for right now in this day and age, it's, it's everyone in here that's answered the call that you've come. That you've come. And you're, you're, on, you're on the clock. We're all on the clock for being missionaries, sent, bring, bringing the mission of God to the world, his church. And what's cool is this. You know, because uh, when Ricky was saying earlier, you know, he was surprised that I would want to hang out with him because, you know, he wasn't want to even hang out with himself. You know, well, uh, I'm the same way, and I think that's why we connect. Uh, but but I got just a little word of encouragement. You know, when you don't feel like uh, you should, you know, you, you can hang out with yourself. Well, I learned a long time ago. I have an identical twin brother, and he's a pastor in West Virginia. And uh, and so when God made made one of us, he said, this is good. I'm going to make another. Okay? So that gives me hope, Ricky. You know, you were too good to duplicate. All right? So that's why we'd hang out. Okay? We'd hang out. But here's what's cool. Is I don't have to be cool. When I started in youth ministry in 1986, I had all these aspirations. You're like, well, if I had this kind of car, uh, or if I'm super athletic, which, you know, I, I, I did at sports and stuff, but, you know, I, I'm not, I didn't go pro. You know, those, those are the people that are always putting up in front of you and stuff, you know. Well, so-and-so was a, you know, football player for this, you know. And I remember meeting Coy Bacon. That was a guy from the like the 70s, and when he shook my hand, I felt like I was a baby. Like my hand was a baby hand with his, with his hand. He was so huge. And those guys, they do incredible things when they go out for the Lord. But you don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to be. Why? Because this is what he says. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know. And, a na- and, and this is the last part of verse 5. And a nation that did not know you shall run to you. That means that your life is inviting. What about your life? Well, when we love, care, serve, and go as the Lord sends, as as he's, He's taken us, as He's created us, if you just do what God called you to do in your life, whatever purpose, you know, not everybody's up here singing. That's okay. We got some, you guys got some great singers, great instrumentalists. Man, I mean, just what a, what a gift. Do what you can do. And if that's just loving kids or if that's just loving others, if that's just serving, if that's, you know, cleaning up after people, whatever God has gifted you to do, that's what makes the church inviting. 
People know that they're loved. I learned that early on. It didn't matter what kind of car I had. I had a 1973 Volkswagen Beetle, a blue. That's not probably considered one of the the, the coolest cars. It kind of is now. It's nostalgic. I'd have another, but my wife won't let me get it. She's afraid that, you know, there's no engine up front. She wants to keep me around, get hit in it, you know. But you know what? I crammed kids at I crammed kids in that car in Wellston, Ohio. They had a parade every time somebody sneezed there. It was an all-American little small town. Football, everybody was at football on Friday nights, and they were at the baseball fields all summer. That's where I lived. As a youth pastor, I just where all the kids were, and I would go, and I wasn't cool. I, I, you know, I wasn't all trendy, and I had that 73 Volkswagen Beetle. But you know what? That Volkswagen Beetle was loaded down. At one time, I had nine kids in that car. And you know what? They loved, in the parade, they loved to go in that car and drive in the parade. They wanted, I want to be in the car with you. Can we go in the Beetle? You know why? Because God, God makes you cool. When you're, when you're loving the Lord, when you're living for Christ, when you're, you know, laying out your life, you're laying down the life you think you should have and allowing God to create it, then you're cool. People want to come to you. People want to come to you because it's the, they see it's real. So verse 6 and 7 says this, Seek the Lord. While he may be found. That is our theme for the week. Verse 6. To seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. That's the first picture in terms of just understanding that he's seeking us. We should open our hearts to seek him. Seek him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him. That's what he says here call we make all kinds of calls every day we got our phones isn't that crazy that you guys i'm 57 you know when i was a kid this was like space you know that was like star wars stuff you know you kids you have no idea and in in the in the 70s we had cups with strings on them you just pull them tight enough and you talk in that pop it's like and then it would come back we had no idea what we were saying and those strings didn't go far. And then there was the phones with the long accordion cords. You remember those? Who had those? Come on. Who had the long? And you, had, you could get them stretched out as far as you could because you had to have a private conversation. I mean, I grew up in West Virginia. Some of the areas I grew up, they, they had, like, shared phones, like three or four houses. And you'd get on to make a call, and Susie, you know, down the road was on it. And you're like, up. Oh. You know, you know, talking to somebody about gossip or whatever. And you had to wait until they were done. My mom grew up in Western Springs, you know, West Virginia. That was the mountains of West Virginia. And that was the kind of phone systems they had. We've all made some sort of call in our life. And that's what we need to do. Call upon him. You just got to call out to the Lord. You just say, Lord, here am I. I'm here. Here I am. I want, I want you. I want this for my life. He says here in verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way, 
and the unrighteous man his thoughts. I mean, that's the picture that, that we're, we're to understand. That, you know, a wicked way is any way that doesn't go God's way. How we treat people, how we think, things that we do that, that don't honor God. And that's, that's hard. I know we, to let go of the thing, those hunger for the flesh in our life, the flesh that we want to serve, we want to fulfill. We think all that will feel good, but it ends us, it ends us into being empty. And so we're just to forsake. Our wicked way, and that's that's what you know. We know in James it says, you know, turn to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That's the picture all the way back here in Isaiah. First we call upon him, and then we get the power. We get the power to forsake, just to turn away from. That means to depart from, to leave behind, to let alone. And just understand this: every one of us got stuff in our life. Before we came to Christ, that we needed to get, let go of, to turn to God. You know, but you turn to God first. You call upon Him first. And then it's a lifetime. It's a lifetime that, that you know, we, we battle. We're, we're saved. But we're, we're in this process of uh, continual uh, sanctification, being set right with God. That's a simple way of saying it. We're set right, but. I, I still got to work out those fleshy things in my life, even though I'm forgiven and I continually go to the Lord. You know, I, I, I appeal to him for strength. So let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord while he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And then I, I, I added eight and nine. I just got like one more thing to say because I thought as I was reading this passage, I, I have I've used this passage for, for years for my own life to remind me of who I serve. And, and this is why we want to seek the Lord. Why would you want to come to God at all today? It's because of this. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. See, his, his thoughts and, and his ways are way bigger than ours. And if we can just, we can come to him, that's the step. Are you hearing me? That's the step. Many of you have taken that step. Then we understand the mission is from God. We're all on a mission from God in this life. We are, we're all on it. It's not just pastors. It's just not church leaders. You know, it's, it's every one of us. If you've given your life to Christ, you're on a mission. And, and our mission then is to find out what that mission is. It's to be open to that. And we should want to seek the Lord in our life because his thoughts, his thoughts are way higher than ours. His, his plan for your life, whatever plan you can make, God is, is bigger than that. I mean, you can succeed. You can do a lot of good things on your own, that's sure. But you'll never do as great of things. As you could possibly do in this life, without the power of God in your life, if you if you could just if you could just um, turn to Him, because here's what you know. We go back uh, to the, this this verse, you know, for as as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. So we need to receive the mind of Christ in our life. We need to receive His compassion, His heart. 
And the, the beautiful thing in all of this is we receive his abundant pardon. And I needed that, man. I needed grace. We all need grace. We're all sinners. We're all sinners, and we need the forgiveness of God. And I, I, I promise you this. You know, I lost both my parents, my dad in 2018, um, and my mom just died uh, last summer. As a matter of fact, in 2018, my dad died on May 24th, and that was the day we were leaving for Beach Week that year, Rick, Ricky. That was, that was the day. And you know what my dad told me? My last conversation was a few days before uh, he died. We, you know, no one knew. No one knows. No one knows. But let me just tell you the story of my dad. That to close this out is my dad, he didn't want anything to do with Christ for a lot of years. There was something, when my twin brother and I were coming up, my brother Jeff, we, we uh, you know, we all had some, at some point, my, my twin brother and I from a little young age, we wanted uh, to have God. We wanted to be around the things of God. My brother Jeff, he, he came to the Lord in a powerful way, and uh, my dad just, he just, he just, I don't know, he, we never had the conversation why. I wish, in some ways, I wish we would have had that conversation. In other ways, I'm, I'm glad I probably don't know what caused my dad not to want to be near God. All I can say is that um, when I was 27 years of age, my dad came. I finally, we finally, I don't know why we held off for so long, but we finally invited my dad to a youth retreat. And guess what? He got saved. He got saved, Yes. He, he was like 58, 58, and it, it was a journey for him. But I remember he, he came out to many beach weeks after that. He and his, his wife came down to beach week after that. And I remember one year he shared a, shared a testimony, which blew my mind, you know, after consecration service one night. So when I, my last conversation with my dad, you know, was... Hey, I know Beach Week's coming up. We're like, we're a few days out from Beach Week. And I was there in Ohio visiting him and by his bedside. And, you know, again, we didn't know. And he just, he looked at me and he said, now, Doug, I want you to know something. I thought, okay, Dad. If I die before, if I die this week before Beach Week, you do Beach Week. We'll deal with my funeral when you get back. I'm like, no, they'll be all right. No. It's too important. It's too important. And he died the day before we were leaving. And when we got back, we took care of the funeral. But you know what? He understood how important a pardon from God was on May 24th, 2018, because he left his life and he went to be with the Lord. And he understood how important that decision was. When, when he was in his 50s was. He died when he was 81. He, he, I guarantee he didn't regret coming to Jesus. So I encourage those of you who may not have come to take that's your step. That's your step. And for those who have, we're on a mission. We're on a mission from God. And do everything you can every day. You know, that day, mission is daily. It's different people. You just don't know. You don't know what it is you're going to do in a day. Some things are going to be like purposeful, like you know you're going to go on a trip, or maybe you're actually going to be called in a ministry of some type. I don't know. But every day we're on a mission to love people, care for people, 
you know, give mercy to people, you know, compassion to people, and to go where God wants us to go. So, Father, I thank you so much for this amazing.